Hello there, I'm Rob Manifield and welcome to this impromptu edition of F1 Everything Else, the side series of the podcast where I talk about F1 in a much more loose sense compared to the numbered episodes of the podcast. Uh, episode 10, Braun GP, is in the works and I have been working on it. Um, I had no intentions of um, uploading another F1 Everything Else following the episode about social media that I did a few weeks ago, but a massive topic of discussion has come up today. Tuesday 14th of August 2018. Fernando Alonso has announced today that he is retiring from Formula One at the end of 2018. I'm sad. I'm really sad. I think a lot of people are sad. I think most people are sad that as of the end of the year, Fernando Alonso is not going to be on the grid, at least not next year. We'll discuss more about where I think he might go, like thoughts on his retirement and his career and yeah, and his future. But yeah, I mean, crikey, I think we all kind of knew it was coming, but it's one of those, I really hope Alonso doesn't retire sort of announcements that he'd, uh, he'd hyped up and, um, you know, on his Twitter saying, oh, announcement, and then he trolls everyone the whole day and doesn't announce it. And finally, bang. It's the news I think we all kind of didn't want to hear. But he said he needs a new challenge. He needs, you know, a new adventure. And what that will be, we'll, we'll no doubt soon find out in the coming weeks and months. But for now, let's celebrate the career of Fernando Alonso. One of, if not the greatest driver of his generation and one of the all-time greats in Formula One. So what we'll do in this F1 Everything Else is just quickly discuss his retirement, uh, yeah, his career and his future. And uh, I think... It's good that, you know, it's good that he's loved so much because I think if he had continued down the path he was in the mid-2000s in terms of his attitude, I think people would probably look at him in a much more different way. But the mature 37-year-old Fernando Alonso is someone that I think the entire Formula One community, both online, offline, its fans, and in the paddock or whatever, are going to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about... Fernando Alonso's amazing career. So like I said, Fernando Alonso today announced that he is retiring from Formula 1 at the end of 2018. Uh, he's had a pretty torrid last three and a half, coming up to four years at McLaren. And you could just tell over the last few months and even before that, years, that he's just simply fallen out of love with F1. I think racing around in the midfield, scrapping for points, being lapped all the time and... It's really taken its toll on him, I think, in terms of his enjoyment. I think prior to all this, you know, downturn that he's had in the last few years, he was enjoying his Formula One. He had left Ferrari, he was seeking this new challenger back at McLaren. And it just has not worked out for him. To the point where he's had to look at other categories outside of F1, totally separate to F1, to try and find some sort of enjoyment. He competed in the 2017 Indianapolis 500 and did really, really well up until retirement, roughly 20-odd laps from the end. 
and then this year he's been racing in the World Endurance Championship, doing amazingly in that, and he's won the Le Mans 24 hours this year in his first attempt. In terms of more you can do outside of F1, he's almost done it all, but we'll discuss what I think he's going to do, and I do obviously, I think it's obvious where he's going next. His retirement is going to leave a void, I think. He's become probably the most popular driver on the grid, not just because of his driving, he's provided some amazing quotes on the radio every time, you know, his radio pops up on the TV, you think, oh, here comes another spicy line that's going to be meme-worthy. In fact, he's become a bit of a meme as well, that, that picture of him on the uh, on the deck chair is now pretty, it's very famous. One of the, probably the best F1 meme there is, to be honest, is along, along with Raikkonen. Leave me alone, I'm not, I'm doing. So yeah, his retirement is going to leave a huge hole. What happens at McLaren? I don't know. Uh, I think it does save um, Stoffel Van Dorn. He's in trouble, I think, in terms of... Or he was now in trouble with his seat. I think now the announcement that Fernando's going, that there's going to be that seat available for someone else to step in, I think they'll keep him. I think they'll keep Stoffel. And with the news that Danny Rick's off to Renault... You'd think it's Carlos Sainz that's going to take that, you know, that set uh, that seat at McLaren for 2019. So you'd have Sainz and uh, Van Dorn uh, and McLaren going forward. I think that's probably the wisest one. Everyone kind of slots into place, and the only person that's out of, out of a seat is Alonso. But obviously, that's it's a willing it's willingly that he's going to be out of the seat. So that's why I think they'll probably do it at McLaren. I think it's quite straightforward and it'll be a simple transition for for everyone really. Out goes one Spaniard and pops another one. And uh, we'll see. It would have, have been nice to see Alonso and Sainz race alongside each other. Uh, Sainz is, well, Alonso Sainz is hero. And it would have been really cool to see them racing the same team. But, you know, Alonso's got bigger fish to fry, I think. So that would probably solve everyone's issues. You know, that would get signs of seat, and I think Van Dorn's probably safe now. So, his career is legendary, and we'll we'll get into it. I think people are sad about him going because of his legendary career, what he's achieved. And it's not so much about the statistics that he's going to be remembered for. 32 wins, two world championships, close to 100 podiums. That might be more. It might be more podiums, and it doesn't matter. Alonso's had an amazing career, but it's just the driving that I think people are going to remember more than the actual numbers that he achieved. Because quite frankly, he underachieved in terms of how much, how many world championships he he should have won, but that not it wasn't necessarily his fault. In hindsight, he could have won the two thousand and seven. 2010 and 2012 World Championships and in a couple of those events he should have won them he he didn't he won two world titles 2005 2006 uh, beating Raikkonen in the first championship winning season and then holding off Michael Schumacher to win the second one you know two world championships over 30 wins loads of podiums massive amount of points and he's won two of the, you know, the triple crown. 
the Triple Crown of Motorsport, the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indy 500, and the Le Mans 24 Hours. He's got two in the book now. He's got one left. So what is next for Alonso? Someone who's achieved so much. What more can he achieve? And I think I've just hit the nail on the head. The Indianapolis 500 is what's left. So don't be surprised if Fernando Alonso announces he's off to America and he's off to IndyCar. That's the next adventure he's on about. He's already done WEC. He's doing WEC. I think he'll leave that too. I think he'll do that for one year to try and scratch the itch. And all in all, he did it to try and win the, the, the Le Mans 24 hours. I think winning that probably was what ticked the box for him to say, yep, I'm leaving F1 to go off and do this. He got his taste of IndyCar in 2017 and he did brilliantly. Could have won the 500. Of, ironically, a Honda engine failure cost him his shot at the 500. But that's where I think he's off. I think he's off to the States to try and get the Triple Crown. But Graham Hill is the only driver to have complete, you know, completed the Triple Crown of motorsport. Alonso wants that accolade. I just have to see what happens. That's where I think he's off to next. You know. It's hard not to be sad. For me, it's almost like a huge end of an era. And he's the last, one of the last guys from my childhood that was racing in F1. The only one left is Raikkonen, and I don't think he's around for much longer either. That's just, it's going to be weird not having Alonso on the grid, you know, and then soon not to have Raikkonen on the grid. It's, it's going to be sad. I think he's made the right decision to get out of the McLaren F1 system at least. That was doing nothing for him and you could tell he was just getting increasingly frustrated. He's basically competing in two world championships in two completely different types of racing to get the itch of racing at the front and competing. That's, you know, when you have to do that, you know you have to do a big change. And this is the big change. So... Those are kind of my thoughts on his retirement. It was inevitable, I think. You know, he's off. I think he's off to America to get that triple crown, which I think at this point would probably mean more to him than, you know, an F1 race win. I think winning, winning the 500 now, having completed two of the three, I think that would mean a hell of a lot more to him than if he was to, you know, score a po stick around, score a few podiums at McLaren. I think. Get that, get that 500 ticked off and then call it a day. So what we'll do now is we'll discuss some of his best moments of his career and yeah, kind of sum up just exactly why Fernando Alonso is so revered and loved by millions throughout the world. So what we'll do for this section of this F1 Everything Else is just go through a quick, you know, cap of his career. I obviously, please go check out episode four of F1 Everything, um, where it's based on him, Fernando Alonso, episode four. 
goes for his entire career up to just prior um, to the 500 last year. So it's a little bit out of date. We'll go through his F1 career. So we all know he started at Minardi. He outperformed the Minardi quite frequently. Um, you know, turning up, turning you know enough heads to warrant going to Renault. Obviously, he was the man, you know managed by Flavio Briatore, who owned the Benetton team that would become Renault. And in 2002, he went to Renault as their test driver. But at this time, that meant so much more than it does now, being their third or test driver, because you actually got to go and test loads he must have done thousands of miles tens of thousands of miles that year as Renault's test driver and I actually met him outside the paddock at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix that year and he looked so young but he always had that little teeny little like the goatee he always had that little bit of facial hair on his face that he carried all the way through his career you know you can tell it's him but my god he looks so fresh-faced it's hilarious he was at Renault for 2002. Jensen Button got the boot, and in came Alonso. Uh, he scores his first pole position at Malaysia in 2003. Literally only like in his second race with the team. He came third. It was his first podium. First Spanish driver to score a podium since the 50s. You know, had a mega shunt at Brazil. You know, the race afterwards. Like, damn, they gave himself a concussion. But his 2003 season, he was building and building and building. He took the fight to Michael Schumacher uh, at Spain. He could have won that race. He was really giving it his all. And it all culminated at the Hungara ring, where he took pole position and he won the race. It was his first win. He was only 22. And it was mad to think that a 22-year-old guy could win his first race in his like proper first season fighting at the front. And he did so on pure merit. He was fast as hell that day. He even lapped Michael Schumacher. That's crazy. He lapped Michael. Michael was having a terrible day. But, yeah, still. He lapped the great Michael Schumacher. And that was a statement. That was a statement of intent. That he means business going forward. And he won. He then wouldn't win a race until the 2005 Malaysian Grand Prix. His 2004 season was good. Good amount of results. You know, the Renault was a decent car, but it was certainly third, the fourth fiddle behind the Ferrari, the, B, the BAR, the McLaren, and the, um, oh sorry, the Williams, and then you got the Renault and the McLaren, sort of on, sort of on equal footing that year. But in 2005, the, the regulations changed, and the Renault was by far the best car, and Fernando Alonso took full advantage of it. And... We'll get into what I think is his greatest drive happened in this season, but you could just see that this was a year where things were changing, that the passing of the guard was happening. Michael had been untouchable, and Fernando came in and just dominated, really. Raikkonen upped his game in the middle part of the year, taking the title fight to the latter stages of the season, but Alonso got it done in Brazil. And I was 14... Diehard Michael Schumacher fan. Sad that Michael was no longer world champion. It was the first time since 2000 that Michael wasn't going to be world champion anymore. So it was a new experience for me, really, all in all. But I, I respected that this guy had come in and done it. He'd taken on the world and won. 2006 was similar, but this time it was Michael leading the charge against Alonso in the Renault. And... 
you know, I saw him win the British Grand Prix in 2006, and you know, it wasn't a great race, but he won the race uh, ahead of Michael and ahead of uh, Raikkonen. I think that was the top three of that day. You know, and it was an amazing scrap. Both lads, Michael and Fernando, really, really gave it their all throughout the year. And you know, Michael looked like he was going to win the World Championship until his first mechanical retirement in five years happened at Suzuka basically making it all but impossible for him to win unless Michael won the Brazilian Grand Prix and Alonso retired, which was a possible scenario, but not hugely likely, and Alonso basically crawled round to second place. He did what he needed to do. Having won his two world titles at Renault, he moved to McLaren. He actually signed his McLaren contract halfway to, through 2005 for 2007. He had a contract at Renault, ran out end of 2006, he got the deal done at McLaren literally 18 months before <laughs> and he spent the most of his time at Renault, at least at the front, knowing he was going. So off he goes to McLaren thinking he's number one dog and to be fair he was but in steps Lewis Hamilton and takes it to him. That's the best way to describe it. He took it to him. You know, Alonso won a fair amount of races. But it was the year where it kind of looked like he was going to turn completely, to use a pro wrestling analogy, full-on heel, bad guy. People, His arrogance stepped up, and he really didn't like the fact that this new guy was basically not only taking it to him, but being allowed to take it to him. He thought he was the number one in the team. McLaren were basically like, no, you've you got to beat him. If he's beating you, you've got to beat him on track. And I'll never forget him swerving to the pit wall at Indianapolis. What are you doing? You know, and he didn't win that world championship. And he almost pretty much, he threw it away himself. I think if he hadn't have shunted the car at Fuji in the pissing rain, I think he probably could have at least had a really, really, really good crack at it. He was only three points behind Lewis heading into Brazil. But Raikkonen came in and swooped it and took the title at the end. Alonso probably should have won that world championship. You know, you could argue that his emotions got the best of him on many occasions throughout that year. Who will forget Hungary in qualifying, where he intentionally held Lewis up in the pits and uh, took a penalty, and Lewis won the race. It was things like this that, all in all, probably did cost him the 2007 world title. In hindsight, he should have won that. Uh, the relationship with McLaren had fallen through. He moved. He moves back to Renault. Has two pretty meh years. Wins a couple of races in 2008. Obviously, won is a complete joke with the Crashgate situation with Nelson Piquet Jr. And you know, he won the race in Japan as well, which was actually on pure merit and not because the team had orchestrated the result, essentially. Um, you know, he stayed there in 2009. I remember him scoring pole position at the Hungara ring out of nowhere in, in this crappy Rano. And he was just, even he was like, whoa, Jesus, how did I pull that off? And then all the talk started, and 2010 onwards, he's at Ferrari. I'm a Ferrari fan, and I have to say, the whole thing with Lewis and his attitude and, and Crashgate, the whole thing, it left me feeling a little bit sour about Alonso going to Ferrari. I thought, mm, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about this. But he wins in Bahrain, his first race with Ferrari. He wins in Bahrain. And I'm thinking, I can get on board with this. He looked genuinely delighted to win. And once you get over that whole Alonso at Ferrari type thing, and to be fair, Fernando Alonso at Ferrari was a real, was a great fit. 
I think of Alonso, um, and I think of him at Ferrari as much as I think about, you know, you think of him, you think Renault and Ferrari, you don't really think of McLaren. You know, 2010 was a difficult year, had a really dodgy middle part of the year up until Hockenheim, the whole Fernando was faster than you thing happened, and you know, it was a cheap win, but that was as much down to the team than him, so fair enough. He then wins at Monza from pole, which just, oh, that was brilliant. And then he wins at Singapore from pole, holding off Vettel all the way through. What a dogged performance that was. Vettel absolutely should have won that race. But Alonso, you know, withstood all so much pressure. Like Vettel was just there all day long, or all night long, in Singapore. And I think the gap was less than like half a second over the line. And it was a proper like, yes, this championship's back on. Come on. You know, then he go to Korea. Both Red Bulls retire. Alonso inherits the win. And it's like, oh my god, Alonso leads this world championship now. They go to Abu Dhabi. Ferrari mess up their strategy. They cover off Weber when they're not racing him. They thought they were, but they really weren't. He gets stuck behind Petrov, and as I've discussed in the Fernando Alonso episode, that was just it. He couldn't get past. The, the Renault had too much on him on the straights, and it cost him his world championship. Don't really know how much more Alonso could have done, really, aside from pass Petrov. But, you know, Abu Dhabi is not the easiest track to pass on, and there's, there was no DRS or Kurs or anything like that. So you can't really get, you know, to give him to a whole lot of grief. But my God, I remember watching that race and it was, it was really hard to watch. I was like, please just overtake the bloody Renault. And 2011 was the, like the first, you know, I don't know how to describe it. He was quick and he did great, but the Ferrari just wasn't there. The Ferrari was not a contender. The Red Bull was so much faster than everything else. But he did win the British Grand Prix. And I was there. And it's legit one of my five, if not three, favourite memories of F1 I've ever had. Being at Silverstone, watching him win. It was just fantastic. I was so happy. It meant a lot as a Ferrari fan to watch him win. And yeah, it was awesome. One of his last wins as well, which is ironic. Yeah, you know, he, he wasn't fighting for a world title. And then he enters 2012. The Ferrari is in 2012 is an absolute dog. And you think, oh, God, it's going to be a long year. But he wins in Malaysia. Second round of the year. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Holds off Perez, who's charging down. And he gets it done. Then he wins in Valencia. It's like, oh, my God. This was the year where they had, like, seven winners from the first seven races. And Alonso was the first person to win more than one race that year. And it was um, legit one of his best ever drives. Top three, top five maybe. Best ever drives. You know, he started way down. I think he was like 11th or 12th. And he wins and he cries. He, he runs it. His car breaks down as he's going back to the pits. Thankfully, it's in front of a massive grandstand. People think he parked it up you know, to stop in front of the grandstand. The car broke down. So <laughs> the car broke down in front of the grandstand. So he's out celebrating in front of his fans. And he's on the podium and he's crying. He's like, this is literally like the greatest day of my career. I, I can't believe it. What an amazing day. Coming all the way back, wins the race. 
and that podium you know got fernando kimmy and michael on the podium that really that era all on one podium it was amazing i was then at silverstone the next race and he was on pole led the way weber took him for the lead with three laps to go and i remember being gutted gutted you then won in Hungary, and you think, oh my god, this championship's actually really on this year. And then the championship all went to shit because Roman Grosjean decided to crash into everything at Spa. And I do actually think Roman Grosjean is the reason he didn't win that world championship. Not him. Yes, he retired in Japan, but that all in all, you think about it, didn't really mean... It was his mistake. He, he threw it away in Japan on the opening lap. But he had no control over the incident at Spa, which was a mega shunt. Like, ugh. it wasn't his fault. That cost him three points. It's what was the gap between himself and Vettel come the end. A decent points finish, which I think were on the cards at Spa, when we would ever know. But you'd like to think, with everything else that panned out, I won him the World Championship. And that car had no right to be fighting for world titles. No right at all. And he did. I was gutted. His drive in Brazil was amazing as well. Hmm. That one hurts. 2012 hurts. I have to say. That was a, a championship that Alonso really, really deserved. And as a Ferrari fan, it was gutting. And we wouldn't have a real title charge for five years, so yeah, if I'd known that, I would have, you know, killed myself probably. 2013 was the final two race wins of his career. You like, I say that now in August. You know, there's nine races to go of the 2018 season, but come on, let's be realistic. The chances of him winning another race are tiny. Another podium, wet race, everyone's off. Alonso slips through, takes a podium. That'd be amazing. Chances of that pretty slim. We'll see. But yeah, 2013, he wins the Chinese Grand Prix. And then his final race win was in Spain. To put that in perspective, I was still at uni. <laughs> this just seems like such a long time ago. He hasn't won a Grand Prix since 2013. And if you told me that day that this would be the last time Fernando Alonso would win a Grand Prix, I'd laugh at you. It's hard to believe that the guy would never win a race after that. But that was the case. He he didn't. It's insane. Like, it's hard to believe. In 2014, the Ferrari was horrible, and he, you know, scored a few second places. But by that point, the relationship had soured, and he, off, off, he wanted out. He didn't care where he went. He just wanted to leave Ferrari. And that worked out because Vettel was leaving Red Bull. So Vettel to Ferrari, yep, no worries. And Alonso, I almost feel like I had no choice but to go back to McLaren. They were pretty much the only somewhat front-running team that would had a seat. But he went into it hoping to make it work. But Jesus, I don't really need to speak too much about the last four years. They've been absolutely horrendous. His highlights have been WEC and the 500. That says it all about this McLaren-Alonso partnership. But I think what it's done is made Alonso a lot more likeable. You know, and it's really highlighted to people who probably wouldn't have otherwise realised this was the case. That he really is able to outperform a terrible car 
look at how he did in 2012. He that Ferrari shouldn't have been fighting for wins, let alone a world championship, and he did missed out by just a three points. And <laughs> yeah, he's been outperforming that McLaren on the regular for the last four years. He's become you know very very popular for his quotes. He's very entertaining. But one thing it's taught me is that he is overnight seeing him consistently score points in, in a terrible car shows how consistent he is and how talented he is to do that. The really talented folk take bad cars and outperform them. And Alonso's done that his entire career. His Minardi, you know, to start off with, um, you know. He scored a couple of wins in the Renault and then pole position in the Renault as well in 2009. And the big one was obviously 2012 where the Ferrari absolutely should not have been winning races or fighting for world titles. He is able to perform in anything. And then he goes off to Indianapolis having never raced an IndyCar before and he comes very close, if you will, to winning the biggest race in motorsport. Like That's phenomenal. That's just pure talent. That is pure talent. Then he goes to WEC this year. He's doing a full season of F1 alongside a full season of World Endurance. Goes in, first attempt at the, at the in, um, Le Mans 24 hours, wins it. Incredible. That is just a pure testament to the talent that Fernando Alonso has. And I am so sad that the last four years we've not been able to see him at the front. But my god, if you don't follow IndyCar, and I'm really starting to... I've always followed... I follow all motorsport to an extent, but I'm really getting into my IndyCar. But my god, if he goes to IndyCar next year, I am absolutely on board and will watch every race. Probably more so as much as F1. Probably not more so, but as much. It's just a real shame that he's felt the need, you know, he's felt the need to go. Because F1 is just not fulfilling his... You know, desires to race at the front anymore. Considering how talented he is, that's such a tragedy. It's a tragedy. What we'll do is I'm gonna go. I've got a few things here. I mean, what? what one question I got asked: What was his greatest moment? What was Fernando Alonso's greatest moment? I think it's 2012. Like just as a whole, 2012 just a phenomenal season that I think turned if people were a little bit skeptical about Alonso he'd been involved in too much a little bit too much controversy he was too arrogant you know all the rest of it 2012 he had to fight so hard to even get close to a world championship and my god he came so close <clears throat> people realized how special he was that year and he is the most deserving world champion to not actually win a particular world championship if you see what I mean no one deserved to win a world title more than him that year. And Bettle won it, and you can't begrudge him that title. But Alonso absolutely deserved it. And it's quite sad that he didn't pull it off. So his greatest moment is just the whole of 2012. But what was his best drive? I've always thought his best drive was at Imola in 2005. It was poetic. It was significant. Yeah. <sighs> It was that was a passing of the torch, you know. He leads Michael, Michael in a pretty rubbish car. The 2005 Ferrari wasn't great, hounding him, 
for over 20 laps, if not more. Absolutely just hounding him, hounding him, hounding him. Pressure was absolutely immense. And like I said in the Alonso episode of the podcast, I think most folks would have crumbled, but Alonso was strong and he held on and took the win. I still think, on the whole, you know, all things considered, first time he's ever really been in a situation like that. And that is an unbelievable amount of pressure. And it was at Imola as well, in front of the Tifosi. He could have locked the brake. He could have missed an apex and Michael would have pounced. But he didn't. It was rock solid. And it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal drive. It really was. I think it's his best ever. And there have been some great performances as well. Valencia, obviously in 2012, was awesome. Um, like an underrated one, but I've always said his drive at Japan, 2008, it's Fuji. Did well that day. Great drive. Um, Britain, 2011. He was just, he's had some fantastic drives. And then some of these drives from McLaren in, in, in dodgy machinery is, you know, taking it to fifth place and, you know, all the rest of it and great point scoring races and, in, you know, when he really shouldn't have been. Those will go under the radar because he's only finishing in fifth, sixth, or seventh, but. Some of them drives are absolutely outstanding. So that's why I think it's his best drive, Imola. But that might even change. He might have an all-time great drive between now and when he retires. One thing I wanted to pick up as well, and I've been looking through his career, and obviously most of this is actually just going off my own, off my own memory. But Alonso rarely crashes, but when he crashes, he crashes men mental, mega crashes. Like, the first big one... Brazil 2003, hits a stationary tyre. Like I said earlier, damn near concussed himself. You know, then he doesn't really have a massive shunt for like a long time. You know, he had a sh I think he had a shunt at Indianapolis when the tyre failed, but you know, that wasn't huge, huge. His next big, big shunt was like Fuji, where he threw away the World Championship, in my opinion. Big shunt in the wet. You know, then he has the shunt um, at Spa which is massive. And then the biggest one was Australia in 2016. I watched that back this evening and I'm like, wow, how did he like, how did he pull that off? How did he survive that? It's a massive shunt. That's the Lonzo for you. He'll do it in style. Winning in style, driving brilliantly and he'll crash. Rarely, but <laughs> more spectacular than most. Um, what's my favourite Alonso memory? I think him watching him win at Silverstone in 2011 was just awesome. I'll put a picture on on the, on the Twitter and Facebook and stuff to uh, throughout the week, like as a throwback Thursday maybe. But yeah, that was me minutes after he won. Genuinely delighted that he won it. And I think it's really ironic now that people love him that booed him back then. And I do think that's probably down to his time at McLaren where he's become a bit of a meme. You know, he's not been threatening, you know. The the British public didn't like him in the same way they don't like Vettel in the same way they didn't like Rosberg because he was a threat to their golden boy. You know who I'm talking about. But then he was no longer a threat and people loved him. That's exactly what's happened. I think it's crazy. But I'll, I'll save that for another day. I could rant quite a lot. 
And the last thing I want to mention is people ask all the time, where would you rank whoever in, in an all-time list? And in no particular order, I think my top five of all time is Senna, Schumacher, Fangio, Prost, and Alonso. And you think, why? You only won two world titles, 32 wins. Look at the numbers for everyone else in that top five and you think that's crazy i'm talking just everything ability you know being able to take crap cars to amazing results i think all in all he just about makes the top five for me and if he told me that like a few years ago i probably think like, yeah maybe no i think genuinely he's a top five all-time great in f1 and I'm really, really sad that he's going. He'll be missed greatly, I think. Obviously, I suspect he's off to America, so he's not exactly retiring, retiring. But, you know, F1 is the, you know, the, the topic of this podcast. And for that regard, F1 is the main sport I follow. And the fact that he's not going to be there anymore as at the end of this year is just sad. But absolutely we got to enjoy him while he's there enjoy those quotes that he provides us everything so that's kind of it hashtag well I hate saying that but the name of the episode is hashtag thank you Fernando so yeah thank you Fernando thank you very much watching you race and being a fan of yours for years it's been a genuine privilege and you'll be missed. Thank you very much for listening to this, uh, as I said, impromptu episode of F1 Everything Else, uh, discussing Fernando Alonso and his career and his retirement from F1. I do hope you've enjoyed it and his little trip down memory lane, going through his career and his highlights uh, of his career. Uh, please do subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever it is you listen to this podcast on. Uh, leave a rating and review. Please share it with your friends. That would mean a lot to me if you could share it around. For, um, also follow the show on Twitter at F1 underscore everything and also you can find F1 everything on Facebook just search for F1 everything podcast uh, on Twitch to search again for F1 everything on Twitch I also host a side podcast called the Michael Schumacher podcast episode one is coming uh, there's a vote up as we speak it'll probably be over by the time you've um, listened to this so please don't go and look for it it might be done uh, deciding the episode, uh, topic of episode one so look out for that make sure you subscribe and leave a rating and review and like I said just enjoy the last nine races of Alonso and F1 that's all I can say I'm Rob Manifield and I'll see you around the next corner <laughs> <laughs>